Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. It is wonderful to be with all of you this morning. In fact, some of you are saying, well, who in the world are you? Where'd you come from? What's happening? Well, my name's Steve Little, and you might, if you've been around the church for a while, you might recognize the last name, Little. Alex Little is on staff here. He's my son. And um, my wife and I, uh, Michelle, have been here for uh, about the last four years. So you see us. We kind of come in and we go, and then we come in and we go. You see us every so often because uh, one of the things uh, in my bailiwick of stuff that I do, I'm a presbyter for the Assemblies of God. And I oversee um, 12 churches here in the Snake River area, and then plus two uh, college groups uh, that I I get to serve. Um, And I've been uh, doing this for a while now. Uh, I love what I do. Uh, I I think because... um, assemblies, our leadership said, you know what, Steve, it's okay if you go and be with your son on Sundays. And then uh, when you're, but every other Sunday you have to go someplace else. So last weekend I spoke in Garfield. Actually, the week before then I spoke in Yakima. And, uh, um, and then sometimes I interim pastor a church for a while when they're looking for a new pastor. And so I, I keep busy. I've retired twice. This I do for free. <laughs> this, I, I volunteer to do what I just told you that I do. But uh, it is wonderful to be here uh, with my son and my daughter-in-law. Because, see, see I, my daughter-in-law was the one that was leading worship. She was right here. And so, uh, and my grandkids are here. So it's really fun for Michelle and I to be a part of real life, but also uh, do the other things that God wants us to do. So I was asked if I would uh, share the word with you, and I was, uh, you know, you ponder the things that, okay, what should I share on? Through the summer, we have been going through a series of uh, the person of Christ, a relationship. And I'd like to, uh, to end that today, and we're going to go on to another series coming up. But throughout the summer, as we have listened about this relationship with Jesus, it talks of, we've talked about fear and faith and grace and leading and all of these different things. Can you all hear me? I just want to make sure. Um, we have listened to uh, uh, these different messages about that, uh, the, the qualities of Christ for you and how you can walk those out in the world that you live in right now. And so how I thought I'd end up uh, the message, uh, these series of messages was this is what Jesus has done for you. He has brought you into relationship. What about you in relationship with him? That's a very important part. You know, usually to have a relationship, you have to have at least two people, right? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so today, we're going to talk about um, this one portion of Scripture that uh, just caught my, my, my eye, and that is, be, but you held fast to the Lord your God, 
that you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. What a great uh, statement that Moses is making to uh, the children of Israel. So they're in, we're in the book of Deuteronomy. So how I came across this message was about, I, I don't know if you do this, but at the first of the year I said, I'm going to read through the Bible. Yeah, anybody? Yeah, yeah. I hear their smiles and what? <laughs> and so, so I, you know, I, it's been a while since I read through the Bible, and uh, so I set myself to it. And uh, how many of you have read through the Bible? Okay, how many of you have read through the Bible multiple times? How many of you started reading through the Bible and went? I, I think I have had more of those experiences than following through the whole year to go through the Bible. But I set, set myself at the beginning of the year and uh, started going through. Now, I also have to tell you that I, I, I'm sometimes a little slow. I, I don't know. Maybe you guys are really, really good and spiritual. But sometimes when I get up in the early, early in the morning and I start reading big chunks of scriptures, I look like this. Anybody ever do? Nobody else? No, come on. So, so I, I've learned a little trick. You want a trick? Okay. So you got uh, one of these or a pad or do you have something of this nature? You can actually bring up the Bible, whatever translation you like to read in, you can bring it up and you can listen to it. So what I do is I bring it up, I start playing it, whatever chapter I'm in, I start playing it. The words are right there, so I read it out loud. So I'm doing three things at the same time. I'm staying, well, actually four. I'm staying on track. (laughs) Because I can read like four or five, six chapters this way fairly easily. Um, I stay on track. I have the word visibly in front of me. I'm listening to it as I speak it because I read along with them. Really helps you learn how to read too if you're not not good at that. And and I'm hearing it all at the same time. What do you think about that? That's it was just a great way for me because it just keeps me on track of reading through the Bible. So uh, a few months back, I was going through and. Uh, and I came across this scripture that Jolene just read. And it was like the Holy Spirit. You ever have the Holy Spirit put the brakes on you? You need to hear this. And I thought, I, just that one portion of scripture just stood out to me. And so I started thinking about, so how in the world did they hold on to the Lord? How did they hold fast to the Lord? It says they held fast to the Lord and they are alive. So I started reading the rest of the scriptures. Do you know that usually the scriptures will answer the scriptures? You know, they'll answer what you have in your head just by reading maybe a little above or a little bit beneath. It'll actually answer what you're asking. So today that's what the message is uh, going to be. So uh, the on your notes, and we're going to kind of keep to them. We had a little glitch this morning in your... Uh, in our PowerPoint, but may our, I guess they don't use PowerPoint. That's all old now. Um, I, I just, I, I just find that I, I just can't keep up. But because um, my son laughed at me when I said, "Oh, I have a PowerPoint presentation," he said, 
PowerPoint? Who uses PowerPoint? It's fun to have a son that loves you. But uh, I came across these thoughts in this portion of scripture, and that is observing his word, calling on him, remembering what you've seen, and teaching your children and grandchildren. And as we go through today, and I really pray that the Lord will uh, bring these things in uh, tight with you that, so that you can hold on to the Lord. But what, first, what does it mean to hold on to the Lord? So, uh, or why should we? Maybe, uh, do, we have a, do we have a picture? Oh, there's that one picture. How about the other ones? How about the ones of the desert? Ah, oh, there we are. So you know where, uh, it's a good thing to know where people are and what they're doing when you're reading the scripture. So the children of Israel have wandered around in the desert for 40 years. 40 years. But they were alive. And they had held fast to the Lord. And here they are. They went and wandered around in the desert and God took them to this vacation spot. It's called the Plains, Plains of Moab. Now, if you had wandered around in the desert for that long and you had been faithful to God, wouldn't it be better to go to a vacation spot? You know, some good swimming pools and let's relax a little bit. Actually, God led them to the Plains of Moab. This is where they were, right there beside the Dead Sea. Something wrong with that. The Dead Sea. Almost sounds like uh, something that happened to Jesus. He was baptized in water. He come up out of the water. The Holy Spirit was on him, and he and and uh, and then he went out and you know just started preaching stuff. No, it says and then the uh, and then the Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness. What? Anybody like being out in the wilderness? Any any me? Not so much. I, I'm like a first world Christian. I I, I like you know nice house and you know tough things are not my my thing but I get them on anyway so uh, so they're out here in the plains of Moab and two things are going to occur to them out here Moses is going to talk about everything that's happened to him since they left Egypt and they're here he goes through the whole thing the second thing that happens here is they get prepared to go into the promised land but God says, prepare the people to go in because they're going to go into battle. So not only are they out here in the wilderness, they actually have to go into battle. So the next slide. Also something else is happening. They're having a change of leadership. Isn't just one or two things enough? Do we have to do all of this? So they're going to have, Moses is going to die. They've been, they've been following Moses around as God has led. And Joshua now is going to take over. So this is, they're out in the desert. They're going to have a change of leadership. And they're going to go into battle. Because God led them there. Here's another good illustration of that. Remember when the disciples were with Jesus and Jesus said, hey, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. And they all got in the boat. And Jesus went up front and went to sleep. Anybody ever think about it that 
Actually, Jesus led them into a storm. (laughs) See, we don't like those kind of things. We want to be led out of everything. I had a flat tire. Jesus fixed the tire. You know, I mean, and that's really first world Christian problems. God wants to mature us and he wants us to be close to him and he will give us opportunity and you may be having an opportunity you just go some of you are going back to school you may have opportunity right now to really rely and cling to to God come close to him so what does it mean that um, to hold fast so as we go through our points uh, before we go through our points i just like to, to give you uh, some little definitions. It said that you held fast, that's why you're alive today. The word hold fast in the, in the King James is called cleave. Anybody ever hear that word before? Anybody ever gone to a wedding and heard something of this nature? Husbands, you will leave your father and mother and you shall cleave to your wife. Yeah, we hear this, but this is the same exact word that uh, in the Hebrew is used here as is used there. And cleave means this, to cling, stick, stay close, keep close, stick to, stick with, and if you really want to get excited about it. It means to, just like your bone is covered with your skin, that kind of closeness. I think Jesus said something to this effect. He said that when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not only going to be with you, he is going to be in you, in you. The power of God being close to you. Jesus loves you, but how about your stick towards him? Is that reciprocated in the same love that he has for you to have the same thing? That is exactly what he was saying. You clinged to the Lord, and because you did that, because you were close to him, you are alive today. And the word alive is chi, and it means, it's kind of a fun word, because if you were talking about a plant, it would mean that it's green. If you were talking about water, it would mean that it was clear. And if you're talking about man or mankind, um, the Hebrew uh, lexicon uh, describes it as lively. Lively. So not only were they had clinged to God, they clung to God, and they had, had held fast to him, but out of that, they were lively people. Out in the middle of the desert, they were lively. So now you can show that one picture. That's me. See, I was young once. <laughs> My grandkids, I think, think I was born like this. Grandpa, you have no hair, you know. But that actually, that was uh, when I was about 23, 24 years old. I was 24, right there. And I was alive. That was a good day that day. Caught a 40-pound salmon. Nice. It was fun. 
But I also was an alcoholic, and I was dead inside. Anybody ever been dead inside? You're alive on the outside, you're motivating, you're walking around, but truthfully, the inside, you're just dead. And that's what was happening with me. You can see me, I'm standing there, and I'm alive, but I was dying. And we'll talk to you a little bit later about that. So let's take a look at your notes, and we're going to go through these uh, fairly, fairly quick, not real fast, but fast enough. Observing his word. When you cling to God, when you're in love with somebody, or you hear some, I, my wife, I, I get to tell, she's not here on this service, so I get to tell some She was here last service, so I can't tell any stories what she said. But uh, my wife, I used to tell her all the time, you know, I'd bring home flowers and, and stuff and, and, uh, to show her that I loved her, and I would bring home presents and, and, and being a really good husband. And, and one day I, I was talking to her, and she said, she's, I said, oh, hon, I love you. And she said, if you loved me, you would fix the fence. I've been asking you for two months <laughs> to fix that fence. I don't feel secure. Could you fix the fence? Sometimes you have to listen and, uh, and have, con- have real conversations with somebody to find out really what's happening to have a better relationship. Here, I thought I was doing good. I've got the presence. i got the words right. And yet she said, haven't you heard me over the last couple of months? And, and it struck me that, that observing the word, ob- Observing what is being said to love the person or, or even to love God the way that he really loves to be loved. Because see, he already loves you. He's already died for you. He's already been raised from the dead. The scripture says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves you and he loves you immensely. And my part is to love him back. Not just doing things. All right. If you're going to serve God, you're going to read the Bible. You're going to pray. You're going to do jumpy jacks. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever it happens to be. How many of you find it sometimes just easier just to do something and say, oh, well, I went to church. I'm good. Uh, I paid my tithes. I'm good. I'm, you know, because I'm doing these things. No, when we're in love with God, we love him because he first loved us and we're in relationship with him. So we observe his words. We listen to his words. The Hebrew word for observe is shamar and it means to tend. It doesn't mean straight up. I told you a hundred times. That's not what it means. To observe his word means to tend it or guard it. Do you tend and guard God's word in your heart? Do you tend towards it, towards like a, what a, a person would do with their um, garden? They weed it and tend it, tend it and, and it, it's alive because they tend towards it. Same way there. Uh, in Deuteronomy, uh, God continues, I think God continues to say, I want to have relationship with you. 
I want to have that. I want to be close to you. It says in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, it's going to, uh, Moses is going to say later, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. Jesus is going to say the same thing when he was um, accosted by some religious leaders and they were trying to trick him and they said, well, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind, soul, and strength. Tend to his word, because when you tend to his word, you find little nuggets in there that just kind of pop out to us. The second thing, well, maybe I should put this in. It says, uh, John 6, uh, 63, I think you have it in your notes. It says, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. This is Jesus speaking. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. If you want a full life, if you want to be alive, tend his word. The second point today is calling on him. For what great nation is there? I thought this was just marvelous what, what he says. What great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? And listen to this part. For whatever reason, we may call upon him. For whatever reason. Remember this uh, portion of scripture, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all people. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all your understanding, shall keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. God wants us to. Uh, sometimes, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes my prayer is me trying to cover my tracks of my past. <laughs> oh, God, I wish I would have done better. I wish I would have blah, 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 blah. And God says, hey, uh, Steve, you know, you've you got some things that are concerning you right now. Why don't you just ask me about those? Let's, let's, let's put the past behind you and let's press forward to the things that are in front of you and let's hear what's going on now. Because I, I get afraid of the world. I get afraid of all kinds of things. I can, I can have fear. I can rejoice. I can do all of these things. But sometimes, if I'm not careful, I, I spend my prayer time in trying to cover figure out all the past when God says, I, I want to know what's going on right now. Here these people are out in this desert and God says, I just want you to know something. You can call upon me for anything. Anything. And I think that's what Paul said in Philippians, which I just, in, uh, um, yeah, Philippians, which I just uh, quoted to you is that he understood that. I can pray about anything. The guy's in jail, and he's praying. He's, he's encouraging people to pray. He's in jail. So, which uh, reminds me of a guy, a guy named Walter Sizek. And uh, the book uh, that I had read was uh, He Leadeth Me. And it's about a, uh, a young uh, Jesuit priest who felt the calling of God to go to Russia and in his uh, memoirs, he said, yeah, I got this call to go to Russia. So I went and learned Russian. I went and did all of these things. And then I went to Poland and, I, and my idea was I'm going to have this nice church. I'm going to 
you know, we're going to baptize people and we're going to uh, have weddings and we're going to preach the word and we're going to all be family. And the guy got arrested in 1940 in Russia as being a spy and spent the first five years in solitary confinement. They said that uh, the guards wore a padding on their feet so they couldn't even hear him walking up and down the hall. The only time that he got to talk to somebody was his interrogator. Five years. Nothing. No talking to any people. Nothing. And this is what he said. He said uh, these words. Above all, I prayed. My question is, 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 do we pray just in good times or do we pray in all times? Do we ask God really what, what do we need for a church? What do we need for uh, our family? What do we need for these things? Because God wants to hear them. He wants to hear us. Psalms 116 says, because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call upon him as long as I live. So Walter Sizek Five years of confinement. Then he went to prison camp in Russia and he got to minister to the Russians there. Not his picture. But God had said, you're going to minister to my people in Russia the way I want you to. Are we willing to do it God's way? Are we willing to do the battle? Are we willing to walk with him where he wants us to walk with him? The third point today is this. I have 39 seconds to finish. I can see my clock right there. (laughs) The third point is this. Remember what he has done for you. I'm just going to leave it uh, with this. Is that um, in this he... He says, what your eyes have seen. Remember what your eyes have seen. And he uses two things, Horeb and he uses Baal Peor. And I'll get those in a second. Remember that picture of me? Well, my life wasn't quite down in the pits far enough at that point. I'd been drunk for about a year at that time. And that was about 1974. In August of 1975, um, well, in the spring of 75, some kid about 15 years old stopped me on the streets in Yakima, Washington, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Hey, mister, you know that Jesus is alive and he loves you. And I was not very nice to him. But I could not get Jesus out of my mind. Every place I went, you don't know how effective when God does something in a person's life. That little boy had no idea what occurred to me. I think he had his worst day of witnessing ever in his mind. But I could not get Jesus out of my mind. I ran into a friend I had gone to high school with. We had started a North Thurston drinking team. We were drinkers. Um, uh, everybody else played football. We were the obnoxious people, that uh, guys that got in fights and stuff. He had become a Christian. He started telling me about Jesus. And on August 10th of 1975, I sat down on the edge of my bed with a 22 pistol and a Bible, and I said, I'm done. 25 years old, I didn't want to live another day. I had hurt so many people and done so many things, been in jail. I made it through the night, and the next day, my friend Marty Burdick picked me up, drove me out to my house. We drove around and drove back to my house in the front seat of a car. 
I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. I got in an alcoholic. I got out completely delivered. I never had a drink after that. I have never had it, even a desire. I'd been drunk for two solid years. Started drinking when I was 13. He didn't quite take the stealing and lying out of me just as easy as that, but he did do that part. But I just want you to know that I became alive. I've got to be a vice president of human resources for Macy's. I've got the pastor in churches of five people or six people and in churches of 3,000 people. Because, and none of it's been real easy or real hard. It's just what it is. I mean, there's been easy and there's been hard. God puts life into people. He's put life into you. Remember that. Remember what he's done for you. I remember all the time what he's done for me. Remember back at times when God spoke to you and you was clear of what he did for you. The last point is going to be just a one-sentence thing. And that is, is that teach your children and your grandchildren, especially concerning the day that you stood at Horeb. And the reason for that is because we don't have to sit down with our children and tell them, this is what the Bible says and you better do it. And we live it out in front of them. Share your testimony with your kids and your grandkids. Not, not in, you, you, your life is an example. Your life will always be an example. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. I've had to ask my kids to forgive me. You know, part of the deal. But you see Jesus change a person's life. So here's the one statement. If you do not teach your children and your grandchildren the scriptures or the life of God, somebody's going to teach them something. And it may be way different than what you are expecting. Jesus said this. Don't hinder the little children from coming to me because see he can give them life and he can give them a life that is absolutely wonderful so today as we close remember to cling to the Lord to be close to him like skin over bones is to tend to his word pray about everything stay with him Talk to him. Because there's going to be times that, if you're like me, there's going to be times that I've gone months without prayer and just because I just didn't understand what was going on. And then realize I am not getting the answer that I need. I need to cling to Jesus. And I need to cling to Jesus in remembering him and thanking him for what he's done in my life. And the other thing is that an intern teach my children and my grandchildren. If you would today, let's take the communion cup. The children of Israel going into the promised land, going to go into battle. They're out in a desert. Except for God was right there with them, leading them right through all of it. What is Jesus trying to lead you through right now? What will you walk with him through at this moment? Is it change of leadership? Is it 
being tired? Is it, where are we doing here? Who's going to get us across the river? Ah, I don't know. So three, four things today. Go through the scriptures that you've memorized. Remember them. Say them out loud. Maybe pick up something new. The second thing, call on him for current needs for this church family, your family, physical, spiritual, yourself, whatever is needed. Talk to God about it because he's listening. Three, remember what you've seen and let other people know. Testify of the goodness of God. Remember what he's done. And last, and before we get to the last one, Let's take our elements today. Because Jesus said this on the night that he was betrayed. And he took the bread and he says, remember me. Remember what I did for you. He took everything. My body was broken for you. I loved you so much. I care for you. Let's take. And the second thing was pretty good. He said, this is the cup, which is my blood. And when you do this, remember that I got rid of some of your sins. I know you have to work out all the rest of it by yourself. What? What? Nobody's arguing? Some of your sins? Did he get rid of some of them? Oh, there you go. All of them. You know, he, he forgave me a lot. And he still forgives me a lot. Sometimes I don't understand why he loves us so much. But he does. Just take the cup. And as I leave, remember, teach those around you. Teach your kids, your grandkids, spiritual, physical. Tell them what Jesus has done for you. Lord bless you all. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.